Welcome to an episode or another episode of the Presbyterian and Reformed Churchman. I'm Pastor George, and uh, I actually have the first interview of this podcast, of this new podcast where we have discussions with and about ruling elders. And I thought for the first episode, what I wanted to do is interview or have a discussion with Richard Jones. Richard is the clerk of session here at Meadowview. Um, but he's just been a real great encouragement to me, and he is has been involved in all aspects of church life and eldering here at Meadowview. He's taught new members. He routinely teaches our new members class. He's done officer training. Uh, Richard was even instrumental in uh, helping pull off General Assembly in Greensboro, I think, in 2017. And so he thought he'd be a great one to start our conversation with and just uh, talk to. So thanks, Richard, for for being on this uh, kind of an inaugural inaugural episode of um, of this podcast. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah. So how, how long you been at Meadowview? 1997, right around there. So, so was what, that 25 20, years? 25 years. Okay. 25. Were you a part of a PCA church before that? No. Okay, so so what brought you to Meadowview? Well, that's it's an interesting story. Um, in in our past, we would when we were living in uh, the Virginia Beach, Virginia area, we were going to an EPC Presbyterian Church, and that was really our first taste of, of uh, Presbyterian Church. Um, but it, it it was Presbyterian, but they didn't talk about mm. you know Presbyterian stuff. It was much more um, kind of uh, almost charismatic in a, in a lot of ways, that particular church. Uh, but it, it was kind of an introduction uh, to Presbyterianism. And we uh, had taken a job in Arkansas, and we were transferred out to, to a little town in, uh, called El Dorado, Arkansas. And that particular town um, had one Presbyterian church. And we went and visited it, and uh, everyone, it was like 20 people, and they were 60s, 70s, 80s, and we had, you know, three small children at the time, so it just wasn't a good fit. We ended up in a non-denominational uh, church there, there in El Dorado. Uh, but when we moved to um, Lexington in '96, uh, we were looking for churches, um, and not necessarily Presbyterian at that time. We were just looking for a church that, that kind of fit what we were doing out there. Um, a lot of, you know, activities for the children primarily was a big focus for us. Um, but we were we were just kind of struggling to find a church, uh, and uh, Jennifer and the kids had went to the um, uh, barbecue festival that fall of '96, and uh, Meadowview uh, had a booth. Um, a, a former uh, youth leader, uh, youth pastor, was there uh, with some probably some youth, I guess, just handing out materials on the church, um, and she picked it up. and uh, And when I got back from a, a work trip, we kind of talked about it and said, "Well, let's go try it out." So that would have been late fall, no, probably early winter of 96. And uh, once we went the first time, we just never stopped coming. So so to the to listeners who aren't from the area, Lexington, North Carolina is known as the barbecue capital. That's right. Of, uh, is it the world or the country, Richard? Well, if you're talking to the people around here, it's the whole world. It's the whole uh, world. Yeah. You know, but uh, yeah. So they have, a, they have an annual barbecue festival that uh, brings into... Our small town, about a quarter of a million people um, every year to this festival where there's all kinds of 
uh, barbecue being served. But there's booths. I love that Meadowview had an outreach there, and right. uh, we haven't had that since um, you know since, since I've been here. We I've never seen it. So uh, probably something we've... that might have been the only time we did it. Uh, I don't remember mm. us doing it after that. Um, they might have, and I just didn't know about it. So yeah. And, and when I got here, our presbytery meetings were always on the same Saturday. Saturday. And last right. year. You and I, we were a part of getting the presbytery uh, to see if they could change the calendar. And part of that was maybe we could do outreaches at the barbecue festival again. And so, um, right. yeah. And I know Pastor Pablo was there, um, was able to go this last year. And so we're, we're thinking of that. And so, okay, so 25 years almost. And like you said, you weren't, you don't have a Presbyterian background very much. You weren't an EPC church and. And like that, but uh, w- at what point did you become a ruling elder here? Um, I believe it was two thousand four. Okay, so we've been going to the church, you know, almost probably almost five years. I guess, or no, a little over that. Um, about about seven years, we've been going to the church. Uh, you know, we were at the old campus originally. There was some, you know, when we moved over to our current location, we were, we were part of that move, um, and we were involved in a life group at the time and the life group had gotten pretty big and we had split off. Um, and one of the groups that we split off with, I was kind of the, uh, the moderator of that, of that, or, or kind of the facilitator was the better term, uh, for that group. Um, and you know, just as you, as you spend more time in the PCA and you, you're kind of seeing how things are governed. Um, you know, I, I fell in love with, with the, the governance of, of the, the domination. Um, and, uh, and then the, the the history of the uh, the Reformation, and you're starting to learn about more about the Reformation, um, and I became intrigued by it. Um, and then through you know facilitating this this group, um, I just started to recognize that I had ability to to teach, um, you know, on that level, and kind of started pursuing pursuing you know that, and that led to um, you know, being asked to uh, to teach an adult Bible hour, going through some some training that was done back then on that. Spent some time with Jeremy Sink um, when in class that he was teaching at the time. That's before he he left to go plant a church in, in Ashboro. Um, so in the conversations with the pastor at that time, um, there was a nomination period, and, and, and I was nominated, and he talked to me about it, and he believed um, that I had that gifting, and um, I was feeling led to that uh, that particular call too, so just pursued it. Um, mm-hmm. At that time, went through the training just like we you know we do now. You know, and then uh, was was uh, elected by the congregation to serve. Yeah. So you, I mean, to to me, you are like Mr. PCA, and so I love that. Like I said, that you weren't, um, you didn't grow up in the denomination, but uh, you're our clerk of session. Uh, you've been a huge encouragement to me. As a matter of fact, you were on sabbatical. Our session does those uh, sabbaticals every once in a while when the uh, that committee was. Uh, hiring me to be the executive pastor here. And so I kept right. hearing your name bandied about. And uh, it wasn't until I did a visit here and, and you were our tour guide, right. uh, Susan, <laughs> Susan, myself. Um, were the kids with us then? I don't think so. I think it was just the two of you. Yeah. Yeah. That first visit, it was just the two of us. I mean, so it was a rainy day. It was kind of, it wasn't the prettiest day either. Right. Right. It was November. Yeah. We drove all, you took us all over the county. Yeah. And, um, 
But it, I just remember too, like your heart to want to be in, engaged in the process, even though you were on sabbatical. Like, and so it was, <laughs> it was great to, uh, to have had that time with you. So I was shocked to hear that our little presbytery Piedmont triad. And when I say that, I don't say that, um, negatively. We're just, we are a small presbytery, about 12 churches, um, that we actually host a general assembly. And so what year was that? That's 17. It don't seem like it was that long ago though. Well, uh, I, maybe I, that was it. I, I don't, yeah. You know, I got here in in the beginning of 19. I don't, okay, I don't it think it was 18. Then. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So it was Greensboro GA people that are listening may, may remember, maybe you're trying to forget Richard. <laughs> it was a good, a good experience. The, the, you know, the, uh, we're kind of led up to that. Um, uh, I guess the, uh, the presbytery was asked to consider hosting it, um, because of, um, a proposal that was presented to the GA, uh, from the Curry Center there in Greensboro. And it was, you know, just a great cost, you know, to host, you know, for the press and the what city Greensboro was willing to do. And it was, it was a, a good cost point for the, for the general assembly. Mm. Um, and initially though, the, 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 uh, the press said, no, no, we're not interested. Um, but under uh, really the leadership of Nathan Klein, um, pastor friendly Hills, he uh, he really pushed it and, and took over. And he said he he would be the you know the chairman of he would lead it, and then um, he put together a team, um, and uh, I just was intrigued by the whole you know because I'd been to a couple uh, general assemblies and um, and been involved in um, I was in the hotel business a lot of my adult life and hosting you know banquets and conferences at different conference facilities that were in the hotels that I was managing. Um, so I, you know, I had a little bit of background with that. So I, I volunteered to help. Um, and Nathan put together a strong team. Um, and, uh, um, there was a lot of doubt amongst the Presbytery that we would mm -hmm. be able to, to pull it off. Um, a lot of doubt. Um, but, uh, but under, uh, Nathan's leadership and the team that he put together, um, it got done. It got, I think it got done well, real well. It was, uh, yeah. It was and, and so, I mean, when I came into the Presbytery, the guys, the other pastors, uh, teaching elders in the presbytery, told me how great our ruling elders are because General Assembly, they said, uh, at least for the responsibilities from the presbytery side, wouldn't have been able to be done without Meadowview's ruling elders um, being involved. And so that was uh, exciting to me that there was that. Like, what gave you that desire to be involved denominationally? Like, where, like where I'm coming from in South Florida... I mean, two of the great greatest mentors I had were ruling elders from my my local church. But ruling elders down there, you know, I remember some presbytery meetings. We'd have a struggle to have a quorum, and we used to tell the hosting churches, "Make sure your ruling elders are there, so we can we can have a quorum." You know, and the Piedmont Triad, like I mean, Meadowview always sends our our two um, that we're allowed, and. Uh, I'd love to get a third one. Our, our, our membership's right under the, the right. level to have a third one. But if, if we did, I mean, sometimes Meadowview even sends more than two and only two are voting members. But Meadowview ruling elders are very desirous to be involved denominationally. Like, where did that come from? And where did it come you from know, for you? It, it's a good question. I think it's just, um, I think it's been instilled in, in the session 
um, from way before I became a member of the session, um, that the the the, the, um, the ruling elders, you know, were really encouraged to participate. Probably goes back to Gary Cox. Um, he was one of the the, the pastors that was um, instrumental in, in forming the, the Piedmont Tribe Presbytery. So I'm sure he was encouraging the, the ruling elders to, to go to the to, to the meetings. Um, and then um, um, Roger Wiles followed that, and you know, especially going to General Assembly, it was very important to him that we took um, a full you know, complement of people that we could take. You know, so um, and so we've always just been active. Mm-hmm. And going that we've always had um, ruling elders that have been involved in committees. Um, that's not always been easy because a lot of times the committees, you know, would want to meet during the day. And, and a ruling elder, if you have, a, you know, if you have a full time job, you know, those things can be hard to do. But a lot of the uh, presbytery was good about you know moving some of the committee meetings, like leadership development and things like that, to the evening, um, so we could participate. And uh, we and we typically always had at least one person on a committee. Yeah, yeah, Piedmont Triad is definitely good about that, um, about encouraging ruling elder involvement. And to be fair to South Florida, uh, you know, the meeting, like you just said, it's like ruling elders have a full-time job. Generally, they have to take off, and our press area meetings were uh, were on Tuesdays during the day in South Florida. And so, you know, that is that is tough for for REs to, to be involved when, when things are on Tuesday. So ours here are on Saturday. And that's helpful. Um, but I, I also love what you said about you hit. You've already hit on a lot of things, a lot of reasons why I want to have these discussions. Because my my heart and my goal is to encourage more uh, ruling elder involvement at the local level, at the presbytery level, at the local church presbytery level, and the general assembly level. But to also help guys know that there's resources out there for them. Um, And y'all have unique struggles. You know, like you said, you have full-time jobs and then you have to come in for uh, night meetings. You have to travel for meetings. You know, pastors, not that we're not busy. I mean, you know, we're busy. But like, yeah, if I have a night meeting, there's nothing that stops me from if if my schedule allows it from not having to come in first thing the next day. But you guys have to, you know, and and. Uh, some of the ruling elders on our session, I mean, they, they got to get to work uh, before 7 a.m. And, and stuff. And so uh, I'm glad you raised that. Also, with your career, so you do have uh, a long career history in, in the hospitality industry. And I love how you you were able to connect that to the work of the church with General Assembly. And that's um, more and more what I'm finding is I'm meeting a lot of ruling elders that have amazing giftings and uh, experience, you know, out in the world and how the church, uh, the Lord really brings them in into leadership to to use those gifts in the body. Now uh, you're working in local government, right? Right, right. Politician? You're a politician, Richard? No, 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 no. Civil servant. <laughs> Civil servant. Um, as Greg Green w- w- would put it, because he served yes. his whole adult life as a uh, a county, local county government employee. Um, yeah, I joined uh, the county uh, back in 2015. You know, the uh, uh, the hotel business, it was a great career. I, I don't, um, um, you know, regret, you know, the time that I spent there. Um, but looking back, you know, if I would have been like Greg and joined the county, you know, local government um, back when I got it right out of college, 
um, I'd be retired like him right now, playing, <laughs> you know, or fishing all the time is what I would have been doing. But, you know, so, um, but it was a good, a good transition. You know, when, uh, the hotel, um, you know, I was working for a corporate chain, um, back in 2008 with that downturn, you know, slowly but surely they, the chain had worked through the different departments. And in 2011, they got the department I was working in. And if you'd been around a long time with them, I'd been 15 years with them and you were, you know, salary wise, you were kind of on the higher end, um, than someone just starting, um, and they were just trying to cut, you know, just to cut salaries and everything. So um, I was one of those who, who got kind of cut loose at that time. Um, and uh, so we spent some time, you know, you know, I spent some time looking at some different hotel jobs and, you know, what we wanted to do. And uh, we knew we didn't want to leave the area um, and become home. The kids were raised here. We had our fourth child here. Um, they were at the age, you know, we were about to have a, in 2011, our oldest daughter was getting married in December of 2011. So we knew we wanted to be around here, uh, you know, so we didn't want to do any big moves, you know, to do, to, you know, to take another corporate job or, or things like that, where you might have to move to New Jersey or, you know, wherever. Um, we just weren't interested in doing that. So, we, uh, uh, you know, we had, it, we had started our own uh, restaurant for a time and uh, that for a season. Um, and that was a, a huge learning experience and, and ended up not um, ending real well. Um, but it led to a position with the with the county. Um, and it's been a good move for me. Mm. So, yeah. And, and, and even job. there, I love how you've been able to connect things going on locally in Davidson County with uh, with the church. And I think back to covid and. Um, through some county meetings that you you were in and, and the uh, the senior services, that being like the services in the county right. for the senior citizens, they raised um, a number of needs to be able to minister to people during COVID who were shut-ins and you, know, right. you remember those early days. And so Meadowview was able to come alongside and, and uh, I think we, I don't remember how much money we donated, over $1,000, but we we did drives here that rate that raised thousands of dollars of goods, uh, adult, um, incontinence products and insure shakes and all that. And we were able to just love the community. And, uh, it was because you work in County. And so that was, that was very cool. And you've, you've brought those opportunities to us and we're in a great Davidson County here is just a great County, uh, with, with a lot of just still conservative sort of values and operated, um, relationally and so i think that's been a, a great fit right and um, the department i, I lead you know, transportation you know we're carrying people around all around the county and here locally um in the two cities election in thomasville so we touch so many different agencies throughout the county human service agencies both county departments but outside the county um, so there's just a you know a wide network of information that we, we gather and gain and we get to know the residents very, very well and some of the issues in, in the, um, in the County. So, you know, from a ministry point of view, you know, it's, it's, um, like the Bible says, the fields are white and you know, he's looking for someone to go out and, and help, you know, minister to these folks that, that are in need. You know, mm-hmm. so, uh, it gives us a good connection with the, with the County and we have you know some other County employees too, that go to the church. So, you know, we got, you know, um, so it just gives us a good, good ground, kind of a groundwork to, to base some of the ministries that met of you on. There's some right, like, there. like you wouldn't think, or I wouldn't think, so you're the transportation director, right? Is that right. what you're, 
for the yep. county. And yet there's this, um, I mean, you, you definitely view your, your job as, as a calling, as a, as a ministry and, and not just in managing the transportation fleet and the routes or whatever, but like you, you just kind of mentioned again, the connection with senior services. So, uh, do you oversee the Meals on Wheels program, or do you facilitate that? Like, how does that work? No, that's that's a senior services ministry. Now, during COVID, I you know because of the the way we were operating, I was able to actually do you know, every Monday was was my day. I, I served, uh, I would deliver meals. Uh, that we'd take a frozen meals, a week's worth of frozen meals out and deliver them on Mondays. So I had a route. Um, that I, that I was serving there, but we're not on the, uh, the doing the meals and wheels, but we provide uh, transportation for senior services for, for, especially for seniors, um, bring them to the, uh, the, the facilities for congregate meals, um, or socialization. We take doc, go to the hospitals. We go to the doctor's offices, pharmacies, take people grocery shopping, you know, about anything someone needs, they can get through, through, through our department. Um, senior services. I have an employee who's based there who books, who schedules their transportation, and then we have people here at my office that schedule the, the, the general public uh, for for any need. And there's no charge for any of those services to the county residents. Now, uh, I, I've never heard of that. Is that some? Is that common to other like to other counties? Do that? Is is that common in North Carolina or even around the country? Uh, no, there, I think it's it's been during COVID. A lot of agencies stopped charging just so they could try to keep their the people moving uh, as people were, were real hesitant, you know, you know, COVID going around, not, not, you don't really necessarily want to be on a enclosed bus. Um, you know, so, uh, so a lot of you did that, but no, it's, it's very uncommon to have no, no fees. Um, but the County commissioners uh, and the leadership have just stuck to that plan where they didn't want to get involved. You know, we did a fair study a couple of years ago uh, to see about, about implementing a, a fair and I was, you know, the study came back. A consulting group did it for us, and we're going to lose sixty thousand dollars a year um, by charging a fare because of the additional staff you have to hire, the different protocols you have to put in to manage that money, and uh, the, the amount of people you lose who just have no money, um, you know, who couldn't afford, you know, even if it was fifty cents, they wouldn't have been able to afford it uh, for that transportation. So it's just the model that the county. Has, has yeah, I, I, I love it to take care of the seniors in, in the area. And so you've, uh, have I, did I pick up on the, this that you've helped or you've recruited people from the church to drive yeah, for you? Yeah. <laughs> and what are they, what are they driving? What do they do? They're driving, uh, well, we have, uh, uh, elder emeritus who drives, drives for me and, um, an active deacon who's retired. He drives, uh, drives for us too. And they drive a 25 foot, um, bus um, on on what we call deviated fix routes. So uh, you know um, they have a particular run they do, and they'll do it for six hours, um, two to three shifts a week. <laughs> we use all our, our all of our drivers are, are part time. Uh, we don't have any full time uh, drivers, and they're all typically retired. A lot of school bus drivers, you know, different things. They just have to have a CDL and uh, and, and go through our training process. And then they, you know they some of them do it just to get be active still. You know, setting you know, sit around the house, so, kind of like what you preached on recently about that identity. You get your, uh, you know, identity some from a career, and all of a sudden they're, they're retired. They don't know what to do. Well, we're a good alternative. They give them something to do. Mm-hmm. You know, to get them out a little bit, and then uh, oh, that's great. They make a little bit of pocket money too. I mean, they're not going to get rich. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, it gives them some money to do some stuff with too. Uh, yeah, 
but they also, you know, from those two gentlemen's perspective, they see it as a ministry too. Mm-hmm. You know, because they're you know, we're carrying, you know, the homeless. Um, there's mental ill people that that are that are homeless that um, were their source to get around to anything they need to do. Um, so you see the wide range of the public, you know. Yes, and they get wow. to ministry to them. I'm glad you said that. Yeah. So, like you said, you have how, how many grandkids do you have? I have five. Five grandkids. You're just too young for five grandkids. Uh, and and you really are like a teddy bear with them. I, I love seeing you and Jennifer with your your grandkids. So you have grandkids. You have uh, your kids are adults, but they're young. So there's there's right. young families. Um, wife Jennifer, of course. And so how do you manage? Like how do you find the tension between shepherding here at the church? and work and family. And when I say shepherding at the church, I mean like Meadowview elders are, are true shepherds in the, in the sense of the, the word. I mean, you guys are doing visitation, not only in people's homes, but in, in the hospitals, you're checking on your people. You run a life group. We have a number of meetings uh, a month, although hopefully since my, my time here, the meetings have gotten less. Um, you're always willing to teach a class. You teach again, the discovering Meadowview class, which is our new members class. Uh, until recently you've taught the officer training class. So given all that, like how do you find the work life balance particular to ministry and, and the calling you feel to the body of Christ? You know, I, I guess, um, you know, over the years when, we, when I became a, a, an elder and part of session, I was traveling uh, for, for a living. So I was gone basically all week long. Um, the meeting schedule worked out because we typically, back then, um, we would meet on Monday evenings and lots, so I could leave, you know, I'd usually leave on Tuesday morning or something. So, so I wouldn't, uh, you know, miss, miss that, that, you know, too many of the meetings. Um, but the, the, you know, the struggle, you know, with the home life and working and serving as elder were a little harder back then because I was gone. You know, so Jennifer spent a lot of time, you know, raising our children, you know, mm. not as a single mom, but kind of like one. You know, we homeschooled our children, so she was doing all the homeschooling and, and uh, you know, all the, you know how it is, kids going every dire- you know, direction, especially when they get to be, you know, uh, early teens and, and teenagers before they can drive, so you're, you're carting them everywhere. Um, so it was tougher, tougher back then, but now, that, you know, working locally makes it, you know, that struggle a little easier. And, of course, we have, it's just Jennifer at home now, so. There's more time, so you kind of go through a season, um, you know, through seasons of real life where things are just harder. But it was just a priority, you know. You, you know, you, you just you just make make the time, um, and uh, and just and I don't I don't see it as a burden. Yeah, you know, before I, I I'm still at a point where I was a ruling elder longer than I've been a teaching elder, and I gotta I want to look at the years at some point because I think I may be eclipsing that soon, but. Uh, that that has given me the perspective of you know what it is to work, raise kids, but teach in the church, shepherd in the church. Uh, I served uh, in South Florida as a ruling elder on the administrative committee of the the church, which just helped oversee staff and policies and and um, documents and and that kind of stuff. Um, so so I get it too, you know. And I the thing was. I mean, yeah, for me, it was a lot of late nights and a lot of Saturdays prepping for classes. But right. um, 
I never viewed it as work. I viewed it as I couldn't think of what I'd rather be doing um, with my free time. But it was because I had a supportive wife right. and I, I don't believe the kids sacrificed. Um, I don't, I just don't see that in, in our home. I, I did a lot with my kids uh, and still do, but um, it, it, it does seem to be an increasing, increasingly difficult for the next generation to, um, to take that plunge, you know, uh, as we think of getting younger, older elders and, and, uh, leadership development and stuff, we, you know, there's been a number of guys that it's just, they don't have the time for it. I don't know what the answer to that is. Have you noticed that? Oh, no, I definitely have. I think, I think part of that problem is our, our problem is, uh, is, um, over the the years, especially as as clerk, and we were trying to uh, develop more leaders to to, to come on. Um, there was a period of time where we told too many of the young men, "No, you, you know, you can wait till you're a little older. Wait till you're a little mm. older." And, and you know, I was in 2004. You know, I was um, how old was I? I was in my 30s, I guess. Um, and I still had relatively small children. Um, I guess I was 40 when I became an elder, you know, but still had children at home. Um, and, you know, I didn't see it, you know, uh, you know, if God's calling you, you know, for example, like a teaching elder. Taylor's a good example. I mean, he's, he, he probably went to seminary a little longer th than some, you know, just because of the, the circumstances of life. Um, but no one tells a teaching elder, well, wait till you're 50 before you go to seminary. Yeah. It happens. But that's not the that's not the way it's normally done, you know. So you got these young guys coming out uh, for, to become pastors and, and teaching elders, uh, and no one's discouraged, you know, from that, you know, that because it's going to take away so much time. Mm. Uh, of course, that's their full time. Hopefully, that's their full time uh, uh, vocation. You know, when they become a pastor, they're not not necessarily there's anything wrong with it, but they're not by vocation where they have to get a job to help pay because the church can't can't afford them. Um, yeah, so I think so. We've done some coddling of the <laughs> church, you know, um, and we've told them, "No, you can just just wait, just wait." Um, but if God's calling you to, to do something, you know, Moses was eighty, you know, um, David was young, um, you know. So, mm. uh, you know, so some of it I think is just our, our, our. You know, we've kind of gone with the world and telling these people, "Hey, we'll, we'll take care of you," you know. Right, right. I think it's like there's been a pendulum swing in society from um, maybe before you're in my generation where, where men were just workaholics and absentee fathers. And so right. there's this such a focus on, um, you know, being there for, for the family and praise God, because I see. Oh, uh, yeah, I agree. You know, I, I just see a lot of good young dads who are uh, helpful in the home and involved in their kids' lives. But I think like there's, there's gotta be space in life for other things. And I, and I often thought like, I don't know that. I mean, like, as I, I thought through this with my family, I don't, I just don't remember. I'm not saying there was never a Saturday where I was busy and, and I didn't get to do something with the kids. Of course that existed, but over right. the, the 10 years or whatever that I was a ruling elder, 
most of it was just life at church, you know, the, the, right. the, and the family was at the church and we were, my whole family was very involved, um, in our former church. And so we were together, you know, right. uh, I think too, there's, there's like leadership development. I think it's gotta come from like, you don't just see a guy and think, Hey, you want to be an elder, you know, like you're, you're, discipling them over the years such right. that it's it's a natural next step for those that the Lord is calling as opposed to like just this disjointed like you're not an elder and now we want you to be one you know yeah um well we got a we got a great candidate right now that we're training that if he uh he's uh, I guess he's 40 yeah so when I when I when I was brought up as an elder I think I was 35 I was, uh, so I was in my thirties, you know, and the session just loved me onto their body, even though I was probably a little more impatient than they were used to and a little brasher than they used to at my old church. I was, a, would been at the church a number of years. They loved me. They liked the energy that I brought and I had good, uh, older men, fathers in the faith there to help me, um, sort of reshape some of those, those, uh, those habits or tendencies that uh, are in me. And, and I probably still have them, you know, but Medivy session has been extremely gracious and patient with me. And I've just, uh, wow. Four years here has been, been just great. And I love, I love y'all's heart to shepherd the flock, you know, and to fill in the gaps where the, the teaching elders, um, can't you know right like you, you know you, you guys hired three teaching elders who are from out of town you know my family's right. in in florida pablo's is mostly missouri and, and taylor's is closer but still virginia and um you know the we and i have a big family in florida i have i must have 30 40 relatives down there with cousins and aunts and uncles and and uh, my grandparents are still alive and yeah. so the holidays are are a time to go you know to see them because the kids right. are off from school and you know i know sometimes adjusting our schedules the three teaching elders so that we have coverage here is tough when it's a school break and there's a holiday and, and i'm you were one of the guys that was like we'll cover whatever needs to happen you know and i right. you know and again if there's a crisis or something and somebody needs a visitation or you, you guys are it's uh it's a blessing so well, we have a great team of teaching elders right now i mean you know the three of you all work so well together uh, oh thanks yeah you know, so it uh it makes being an elder you know ruling elder that much easier you know where you're not fretting over you know is is it going to be taken care of it just is yeah well that's encouraging thanks richard and that's the way i feel about our session and so we have currently have nine ruling elders we have maybe three or four emeritus um you know guys in their 80s and 70s uh that still very much act as as shepherds here as a matter of right. fact like you know um so that's uh, that's a blessing uh i don't know as we wrap up what are uh i don't know if this is wrapping up or not what what are some of your your thoughts and encouragements about the PCA, your love for the PCA, um, yeah. yeah, concerns, um, whatever. Well, I, I think um, I think there are some concerns right now because of what we're seeing. Um, 
with this, uh, uh, I don't know if I got the terms right, but like this missional uh, kind of movement, you know, to where the church feels that they need to look more like uh, the culture to be accepted by the culture, be able to minister to the culture. Mm. Um, and I just don't see that in, in scripture. Um, you know, so, um, you know, I'm thankful for um, uh, pastors like yourself and, and the, the GRN and those guys um, who are who are wanting to hold fast to, to, to the scriptures um, and preaching the gospel, because the gospel is what's going to do the work mm. uh, in, a, in the life of an unbeliever or in the life of believers as part of, part of sanctification. So, um, you know, making it a little bit more, we want to be winsome, but, you know, we don't want you know, to, to, to change it, to say, oh, it's okay, you know, you know God loves you, um, and uh, and make like what their lifestyle is is okay. Um, you know, Jesus interacted with you know, the masses, um, but he didn't leave them, you know, when he, when he stepped into someone's life, he didn't leave them in that lifestyle, you know, he come follow me. Mm. Um, you know, so, um, so there is a concern there, you know, what, what, you know, you know, 10 years from now, five years from now, what's the PCA going to look like? Um, I'm hopeful that it's going to be stronger. Mm. Um, you know, that we'll, uh, we'll see men, and both the teaching elders and ruling elders, holding to the, to the mandate, to the, to the gospel. Yeah, oh, that's, that's good. I, I think you do have the term right there. And, of course, uh, the word missional doesn't mean, I mean, we, we all want mission, but it's a posture right. toward culture. And I, I don't... You know, I, I people who subscribe to that philosophy of ministry probably wouldn't describe it that way, but that's our observation of, of it. Right. And so I, I would agree with, with what you're saying. Um trying to think if there's anything else. I don't know, I may have you on again. Uh <laughs> I was thank you for being um for breaking me in here on this uh this episode. Yeah. So it's a good conversation. Great. Good. Okay. Well then that with that, we, we will sign off. And so we hope it's encouraging for you. We hope, uh, I, I love that Richard is, he's been in the PCA 25 years an elder for, uh, not quite 20 years, but you know, we didn't even talk about him being clerk of session and, uh, keeping us all organized and, and all that. And just, uh, it's good, man. It's good that we teaching elders are, are not alone. And so right. I, I want more and more to, uh, you know what, what I said, to you before we started recording, you know, it's like in the 25 years you've been here, you've had at least four senior pastors and maybe twice as many assistant or associate pastors come and go, you right. know, and that's the nature of full-time ordained ministry, but who the Lord has placed in, in his churches to, uh, to keep the ship steady, to, be the voice of reason to really know the people and be in the lives of the people and shepherd the people and keep things going when when teaching elders pastors come and go is is the ruling elders and so thank you for for doing that and carrying on the legacy here at metaview and i'm glad uh that y'all decided to bring me in and and be a We're part of the legacy <laughs> it was <laughs> well, a wise thanks. move on our part oh hey man i appreciate Actually, that. that was well that's a whole nother conversation about how god moved during that whole period you know, bringing in the executive pastor, then, you know, the executive or the, the senior pastor leaving shortly thereafter, knowing that, that you were there and could, could lead the ship. So, um, yeah, it, that's God's hand throughout that process.
What, what, what I love about that process is seeing the great unity on the session. And, and I know we don't want to get into all that, just but how the session came together because of the common bond in Jesus Christ right. and care for the kingdom of God and the, and the shepherding of the flock. And uh, it's just a beautiful thing. Uh, right. what, what, the way our session works. Not that we don't have our disagreements or, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or crazy meetings, but uh, you know what I mean. Okay, so with that, I will sign off. Richard, thanks for Thank being you. on with me. Yeah, okay. Have until next ride. time. Yeah, until next time on this episode of Presbyterian Reformed Churchman, I'm Pastor George signing off. Thank you.